This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Hi, good day. Phil Tarrant, co-host, Investing Insights at Right Property Group. And this is the Right Property Group. The team at Right Property Group, the execs at Right Property Group, directors Steve Waters and Victor Kumar have been co-hosting the show with me, helping navigate, steer property investors with what I'd like to think is good advice, uh, sage advice, not from me, but from them for a number of different years now. We're now into our fourth season of this, I think, by memory, maybe third and fourth season. So something we're doing is resonating and uh, we've got a pretty good um, fan base, if that's what you want to call it, not me, but... Uh, Stephen Victor uh, listening to this uh, right across Australia and also globally. Uh, there's a lot of expats coming back to Australia and I think a lot of them are coming framed with a particular view towards property investing, having listened to podcasts like this. So we get a real kick and satisfaction out of delivering this information. Uh, it's good fun as well. I enjoy spending time uh, with Steve and um, Victor. I've known them from well over a decade. Uh, uh, for those of you who are familiar with my backstory, investing in property, uh, these guys are uh, got us kick-started investing in property way back when and helped us build a pretty formidable portfolio, which has really helped accelerate our property journey moving forward. And uh, I lean on them uh, for their advice. I pay for their advice and my buyer's agent, but I also like sharing and shaping opinions with them and helping me inform my opinions on what I think in property. My job is not to give advice in property. It's very much around um extracting information from other people and packaging up and sending it out. So I was in a cab the other day and some bloke was telling me where I should be buying a property. I was only picking up the paper today and it reminded me just how relevant uh, smart decision-making is property investment. Uh, this uh, mascot towers, people who can't live in their house and you know they've pretty much bought these off-the-plan properties. It's been a dodgy development. Uh, they're all really at the wall in terms of their serviceability. They're paying still huge strata levies on properties they're not allowed to live in. And it got me thinking back to the last time I jumped in a cab, guy telling me where I should be investing. Um, do I follow his advice? Probably not. I typically follow the advice of Stephen Victor and other people who I know are informed about property. So I really want to break that down today, advice versus opinion, because you've got to be careful who you listen to. I listen to these two guys. Steve, Victor, how are you going? You well? Yeah, doing well, mate. It, um, I'm surprised you're in a, in a cab. Yeah, that's the, that's okay, but you know what? And and I'm so frustrated with it now. I yesterday I had to get a cab and um, I, I called up Silver Service one three whatever it is, and I said need a cab. Normally it's really good. Then this guy calls me up and says, "Oh, yeah, I've got your I've got your fare, but I'm travelling over the bridge into the city." And I'm like, "Well, why'd you take my fare?" So I had this sort of argument with him. He called me back three times saying, "You need to tell him me." I'm going to get on a high horse, telling me I had to cancel. <laughs> I had to cancel the fare. I had to call back the cab company to cancel the fare because he couldn't get another fare until I cancelled this fare. And I went, I'm not doing that, mate. Got on an Uber and got myself an Uber, which annoyed me, uh, who took 10 minutes to get to my house as well. But no advice from that bloke. That's a big difference, right? Cab drivers <laughs> still give advice. <laughs> Uber well, drivers got a license. Talk to you. <laughs> they, they had to pay for a license. You know, I've never had an, anyone from Uber call me i've never had a good experience not a one with uber it uh never never not even close it uh it's not personal by any means and um yeah occasionally use uber if i'm not not in sydney you know where i know how to really get a cab but if i'm in like i haven't really traveled that much globally recently but you know the capitals i'll, I'll jump uh in an uber but they don't talk to you 
you know, so I'm not getting bad property advice. Um, <laughs> they, they just follow their map and I'm, and I'm like, don't go that way, go that way. Or I want to go and have a look at that over there. Like it's just such a transactional soulless relationship. So I still like jumping in the cab and having a yarn of the bloke, particularly if I'm in a new town. Anyway, yeah. what's, what's well, that got to do with property? Who knows? Well, we're just giving our opinion on you know, the transportation issues around the country. And that's the, the point, right? You know, Correct. I, 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 would, I would say, Victor, that my opinions around how to commute around a, a city, whether you use a, a taxi or, a, or an Uber, that might be informed from my point of view, but it might not be accurate. It might not be the consensus from what everyone else thinks. So this is what you're going to be careful with, opinion versus advice. That's right. And um, that's the differentiation between advice and opinion. Opinion usually comes based on the fear or uh, the poor experience of whether it's you or someone else, uh, whereas the advice actually comes from experience of having done the journey and actually knowing how to interpret the various moving parts if we're talking properly in this example, um, how to interpret the different moving parts to then form a projected uh, view of where the property market is. I was um, had one of those, I'm sure everyone does this at some point, where uh, I, was, I was lying in bed last night, don't get excited, Steve, um, <laughs> uh, scrolling through social media. That's uh, right. We, we you know, it was, it wasn't time to get up. It wasn't time to get up. It was you know, still 10 a.m. That's why he's lying in bed. <laughs> Scrolling through social media and, and because of you know, my algorithm, I get a lot of property stuff on there, right? And I see a lot of people out there sprouting their views on property. And some of it is pretty well-informed. Uh, some of it, I, I would say, not well-informed. And some of it is just downright, like, dangerous. And I like to think I can offer an opinion on that because I probably know enough and I've been around probably long enough to actually have a, a formed consensus on that. But, you know, again, it gets me thinking about people. This is how people are consuming information, Victor. What I see on social media, people sort of saying, hey, I'm the property guy or girl and look at all these things I'm doing. Is, is that advice, Vic, or is that is that opinion? Like how do you frame this stuff? Like give me some sense for structuring advice and opinion. Look, you, you, one of the things that we did right in the beginning, Steve and I did right in the beginning, was take a deliberate approach not to be technical and not to uh, dress things with fluff, which if you look at your social media platforms, a lot of these advice slash opinions are dressed up in fluff because they take one piece of data or one piece of newsworthy item and they dress it up to then lead towards a particular outcome that the writer may want to have. Uh, And then it becomes self-perpetuating as starting from, you know, whether it's actually coming to fruition in terms of being true. Because if you, if you pull in enough anecdotal evidence, anything can be dressed up as being the truth. And this is where the danger lies with your social media platforms, easy to disseminate the information. But it depends on where you've got the information, how you've interpreted it based on your own life experience as an investor. Uh, you know, it could be that, there's a blip in the market in terms of uh, an area going down in value, maybe because of flood, maybe because of um, you know a new development coming online. And that could certainly be painted as uh, having a downturn in that market, right? Whereas the truth may be totally different. And uh, both you know, Steve and I, one of the things we tend to do is correlate what we've learned from the data with what's happening on the ground and then cross-check it with 
our journey in the property market, seeing many property cycles, many upheavals, many challenges in the in the in, uh, in the market itself, to see whether that data correlates to our previous experience and what the projection is for that area. I like the way that you put that, Vic, because it's quite pertinent in and around, I guess, the point that you made earlier on, our decision to not outwardly be too technical mm. because that can confuse someone's own scenario. Whilst we are very technical in the background and scientific, the persona that we give is quite deliberately not. The big thing for the difference between opinion and advice is everyone's got an opinion. You have an opinion. I have an opinion. Phil has many opinions. But it becomes advice when it's pertinent to the person that you're giving it to for their circumstances somewhat. Because if I give you the opinion that you should be buying an X, do it this way and buying in this particular area uh, in relation to property, it may not suit your circumstances. So I'm giving you an opinion that is just not based around you. Because let's face it, there's a million ways to skin the cat in property. There's a hundred different strategies. It's just that not every strategy suits every single person. And so up until that point in time where the person becomes the center of the universe, it's only opinion up until that point. Mm. Now, having said that, if you go to another layer, then there is opinion that is unfounded as well, just based on short-term history, short-term experience, and a guess at what may happen. And it could even be the interpretation of data, as you hinted at before. But there are many different trigger points to the data, There's, as we've always talked about, understanding the data to be able to, I guess, form an opinion, then give the correct advice. There's many, many different layers to it. And so I guess we urge people to go into investing, no matter what the asset class is, with your eyes wide open, take your own circumstances in line with your goals, and then reverse engineer it with the right team around you that can give you the right advice based on you, not them, not somebody else, but you and your circumstances. Question of you, Steve, what parts of your life do you take advice in versus, you know, to help really generally frame an opinion on something versus just sharing ideas with people to to, to shape it? Are you an advice guy? Do I take advice? Yeah. Absolutely, I do. On what, like, but how do you sort of frame, like, if you're doing what you do, just let's not talk about work for the moment, the other stuff that you do, mm. where do you actually take advice and where do you sort of discuss opinions? Is, is and, and do you pay for advice outside of uh, work? Um, opinions are usually at a barbecue, uh, <laughs> as everybody does. But I, I take advice in all facets of life and from people that are that are smarter than me, which is the most, people that are, where I am trying to be. So they may somewhat be a North Star for me. And people that are experts in their field, whether it be around finance, parenting, subdivisions, whatever it may be, fishing, whatever it is, I'm always looking for advice because I'm always wanting to learn. I'm always wanting to hone my own particular skills at whatever it is at that moment in time. And I think anyone who doesn't take advice and they think that they know it all or you'd be an imbecile because there's always someone smarter and better than you and you should be looking to emulate them and learn off them. Yeah, I think the key there, Steve, is that you you need to be looking at someone who's smarter and more accomplished than you to get advice in that arena. 
So, you know, a lot of times what happens is that people start taking advice off, say, their parents or their relatives or someone in the circle of friends that seems to know a little bit about investing or has a very strong opinion on investing. And I guess the first question you need to do you need to have is the qualifier question as to what are your runs on the board? Right? What gives you the credibility to give advice as opposed to opinion? Otherwise, it, it is just an opinion, their opinion based on their experience, um, good or bad. But if you're trying to get, say, into, into multiple property ownership, as an example, or let's say getting into your first property and you're trying to decide whether to invest in a unit or a house, Someone that's had real success with units will naturally give you advice based on units and saying, yeah, that's the way to go. But someone that's had bad experiences with units or not so good a um, result with units will say, no, no, steer clear of units. Whereas someone like us, if you came to us, we'd say, well, this is what you've got right now. This is what you're trying to achieve. And therefore, units may not be the right mix for you. You may want to start with a house or it could be the other way around. Right. Um, so the advice needs to clearly take into account not only the person's circumstances, but also needs to discount the advisor's opinion so that we can then look at the case on hand and give advice based on what's required there. I think it, um, you know, whether it's investing or you know, whatever it may be, I think the team or your circle around you. Mm which is essentially a team, is ever so important. And we've all heard, you know, you are the you know, the equal sum of who you hang with. And I truly believe that. Like, I really, really do believe that. And if you sort of correlate that back to what we do and how much time we spend you know, with people in terms of trying to create the right team, and we're just one spoke in that wheel. As advisors and buyers agents, we are one spoke in their entire team. But the team also needs to be collaborative as well. There's no use trying to create a team that's going to give you opinions and advice that is completely devoid of what you're trying to achieve or there's egos involved. So the advice and the opinions that you get, because let's be real, first it's opinions, then it becomes advice as it gets more pertinent to you or personalised. The team is a very big part of it, huge part. And the team could be advisors, buyers, agents, accountants, financiers or brokers, solicitors, you know, on the top level and then work your way down, fin planners, work your way down to the micro property managers, tradies, you know, whatever it may be. But I stress they need to have a collaborative approach and be able to talk to each other about you to help form the right opinion and create the right advice. And if you try to do it one out, I think you well, you could be lucky and you could uh, be successful, but I don't think it would be the most successful way to, to, to attack it, whatever it may be in life. I just, just want to stick on this, guys, this opinion versus advice within the lens of, of property investment, and then I still don't sort of get it, so maybe you can help me with this. Um, does it become advice? when you start acting on that information and the opinions help you shape your view towards it so you, you know, can constitute as advice or is it advice if you start paying for it or is it advice when, you know, uh, 
you have respect for the person that's given you their opinion. I don't know. Like, you know, yeah. I reckon a lot of people are probably grappling with this going, I've got, and it comes to this whole thing about, um, you know, uh, when you can't make a decision because you've got so much information, right? So if you're out there with all this opinion, how do you actually translate that into advice so you can action it? It's a good question. I think maybe there's a couple of, there's it's a bit a philosophical, of, but like it, it's important. Well, it is. It is. I think I believe it is as well. There's a couple of different subsets of opinion. Yeah, you know, opinion could be you go onto an internet forum on Facebook group or whatever it may be, and you ask a question, and there's 101 answers, mm. and everybody's got a different opinion in regards to the way that they answer it. That's in its raw form, opinion. The way, and that's one way to look at it and be very careful. But I think maybe if we broke it down into a macro and micro point of view, from a macro point of view. That's at the opinion level. At the micro point of view, that's the advice level because you can't give advice to a degree until you know the person's circumstances wholly and deeply. Up until that stage, it's an opinion. Yes, I think you should do something with your money. It shouldn't be sitting in a savings account, as an example. It's an opinion. Where you put it, what you do with it, then becomes the micro point of view around advice. In a property sense, it's the you know, opinion is more around, you know, should you be doing something or could you be doing something? And where are the markets performing? Where do we see markets performing? The advice comes in, well, where should you do it? How should you do it? And when you should do it. So macro micro is a good way yeah. to frame it. I think uh, we need to look at it from the entire journey, right? So right from finance all the way to purchasing property once once we've decided what we're going to do right and a really good example is of um, one of the um, clients I was talking with yesterday uh, was having an absolute run-in with their financier where um, the plan was to purchase a property under his name only and the broker started sprouting all the reasons and his advice as to why it should be bought in both names and and bought in 80-20 split uh, and started sprouting uh, banking codes and uh, code of ethics and all the sort of stuff that he could pull in, some of which were relevant, some of which were not. And the reality of it was that he he had formed a very strong opinion and that's how he was going to set the finance. And uh, us coming in with our experience, our years of experience and, and setting aside that opinion, helping him set aside that opinion to actually then set the finance correctly uh, so that the title ownership was just in one name, whereas the loan was in both names. Uh, that's an important piece of advice as such, right? Uh, and and we've, we've been able to set aside his strong opinion. Then when you go on to the journey further on, when you're purchasing in an area, a lot of people would jump in and say, no, don't, don't, don't buy in that area because of X, Y, and Z. And they're working off limited set of uh, information or of what they've heard from Uncle John or or someone that had a bad experience. A really good example with the recent uh, floods. A lot of people say don't buy in Brisbane because it floods. Of course it floods. So does New South Wales. So does Victoria. And now the advice we give is don't buy into a problem you can't solve. Uh, So we don't buy in the floodplains. And this is where... um, opinion and advice differs vastly because very soon we'll forget about this floods, just like we did back in 2011. And people will then start saying, no, that's two streets away. That's 100K cheaper. I'll buy that property without doing proper searches. 
Um, and this is where, again, the correct advice comes in to say, you've got to do a flood search first before you even start negotiating. Right down to, you know, getting the right insurers that actually cover for floods and, and storm damage. All of those things can only be uh, acted upon when someone has gone through the journey or has got the knowledge to say that this is the flow-on effect of your decision. This is what can go wrong. This is what will go right. This is what may happen in terms of the property trajectory. And then the rest is, is purely like any uh, advice that anyone takes. It's how much of a shift you have to have in terms of your opinion of that uh, subject to, to be able to undertake the advice. And unless we're taking into account the holistic approach, everything's an opinion. Once you start taking the holistic approach, that's when it turns into advice. And, and part of being a successful property investor is going down the journey of consuming information and sharing your opinion or absorbing the opinions of other people, right? That's, we've all gone mm-hmm. through that and we still go through that uh, today. And, and I'll, I'll make this comment I want to um, mark because I want to pick it back up. I reckon having spoken to probably as many property investors as you guys, it must be thousands of people right? I've spoken to as property investors, you ask them the biggest mistake they've ever made uh, in property. There's normally a handful of, of answers. One is, I wish I did more when I could have. I could have gone a lot harder. Wish I, if I had my time again, I would do that. And the other main one would be, I've listened to the wrong advice. I've acted on the wrong advice. So we'll pick that up uh, in a moment. But Vic, just running on the on the back of what you were saying, then is that what you and and Steve do and your team at at Ride Property Group? Are you in the business of giving advice? That's what you do. It depends on, on how you look at it, right? At, at the end of the day, what we do is use our experience, our personal experience in property investing, our exposure in the market across various markets, our exposure to various people's results and experiences, and we then use that to shape our recommendations based on where, with that person's financials, where they should go and what they should add into their portfolio. So it's not a, you know, a blanket one-size-fits-all scenario. And that, that is probably one of the key reasons why Steve and I still insist on speaking directly with our uh, clients uh, so that we can help them shape their portfolio in line with what they're trying to achieve uh, as opposed to, you know, here's a cookie-cutter method, uh, buy in this area, you'll be all right. That's a good point, Vic. I think when, because, and not, yeah, not giving ourselves a, plug or anything like that it's just fact because we've been through many many years of this multiple cycles multiple crisis multiple uptimes uh, or upsides when we're adamant that we speak to the client so it's not a a cookie cutter method and some big machine it's it's very very personalized uh from you and i because we want people to leverage our experience. And our experience has not always been good. We've made plenty of mistakes. And we are more than happy to share those mistakes. And usually those mistakes were based on an opinion or an assumption that was unfounded. And to be fair, yeah, a lot of those mistakes were when no one else existed. So it was a suck it and see environment. But I also want to go back to what you said, Phil, around shaping the opinion when does it come from opinion to advice or recommendations and i think the way to answer that question is at what stage is opinion dangerous 
And at what stage is the collective opinion of many fruitful or can become or warrant advice? So an example of that would have been as COVID hit, the collective opinion from forecasters around from the banks and economists was that property will drop considerably. And everyone had their opinion on how much it would drop by. And we're kind of seeing the same opinion or narrative roll out again, different reasons behind it or trigger points behind it, but it was an opinion. Because someone has the hat of an economist or a forecaster, doesn't change the fact that it's still an opinion. And it can be as simple as that. It's then really drilling back to say, well, okay, why can I challenge this opinion? And who can give me the correct advice to challenge the opinion to give us some direction on what may potentially really happen? So as we all know, properties had a bull run, contrary to what the initial opinion was. And it was very, it was very interesting to see just how quick that opinion changed. It wasn't a progressive well, we thought it was going to drop by 20%. Now it's only 15, now it's 10. It was it was within a matter of months that that mm-hmm. opinion had swung 180 degrees. And we're starting to see the same narrative, as I mentioned earlier on, again now. Yeah, you see it playing out right now. And, and if you think back to that period of time, Steve, we, we, we were offering commentary and no doubt you were providing advice uh, to clients during that period of time. And, you know, to your earlier point, um, I think you and Victor, and, and I would say a handful of other good operators in the market, buyers, agents who have been around for, for nearing two decades, but you guys have this collective scar tissue f- for property investing in Australia. And I think that gives you the right to be able to to provide advice for people and for people to pay for that advice. And, and I think that you, you've earned that right to be able to do it because you've done all those bits which you need to do in order to be appropriate professional to be providing advice. It's like a doctor. You go see a doctor, you want to make sure he's or she's pretty experienced to provide you the advice you need for your health care. And you think back to that period of time, Stephen, and talk about that collective scar tissue. Um, and I've sort of thrown me into the mix as part of that as well as a, a curator of, of, of ideas. When everyone else was saying that, there was a cadre of people like us who were saying, you know, and I'll throw another couple of buyers agent into that mix as well going, hey, everyone just just take it easy. Just just relax. You know, that's their opinion over here. This is what we're seeing, and this is our opinion on the marketplace right now. And I think that was a really good talk about this collective opinion, which helped a lot of property investors steer and navigate through those initial days, months of COVID, and were able to make effective decisions around a different voice at a different time. And no doubt a lot of people have capitalized really well out of that, Victor. And that that is again, that's that's a constructive collective opinion. Um, mm-hmm. that again, the skill is who do you listen to? That's exactly right. Again, it comes back to are you able to back what you're saying with real life experience? That's the that's the first key, right? And then how can you correlate that out in the open market uh, as to right, this is what's happening and, and understanding that. If you're talking about you know the, how the market surged um, with COVID, no one can predict the future, right? No one can. However, with um, what we have seen in our investing journey, going through many market upheavals, we could see that it was the same hallmark, except the stimulus was different. It was the same hallmark setting it up for a, a good run, yeah. And um, the proof is in the pudding with 
Australia having the highest growth rate in all of the developed world, corrected for um, inflation, 17.5% growth, right? Most countries went up in value on average in the entire world, apart from two places. And I think what it was Malta and um, um, there's another country that I've forgotten. Uh, there were the two places that didn't actually go up in value during COVID, right? So that tells you that whilst this pandemic, all of these things was happening, lockdowns were happening, people were still having that opinion and, and those that then got the right advice were able to still purchase properties uh, for their own financial betterment. Now, uh, of course, in the early days, if we go back to, to the uh, Australian scenario, those that would have just listened or taken the opinion of the first lot of predictions with the economist and said, you know what, I need to buy loud because market will tank. They lost out on phenomenal growth. Now, I get that some people did have to sell to, to stay financially safe. And, and there were a few clients that, of ours that we actually gave advice to say, you need to liquidate now to, to save the, 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 you know, the greater picture. Mm. But this is where you don't want to be reactive to opinions as such, unless you really bring it back to how does this, this relate with me? Is this really opinion or is this advice? And even if it is advice, do I take it or do I not? Because does it actually um, relate to my intimate circumstances as far as financials are concerned? And more importantly, does this achieve my goal? And this is where people do get swayed with opinions is when they don't have a goal, what they, they don't have, what they're trying to achieve with property investing. The minute you don't have a direction, you will be swayed and pushed along to line up with someone's strong opinion because you don't have a clear goal. Yeah, you know what, Vic, I think you've crystallized this whole discussion just with that sentence. Um, opinions are important because they help shape direction. Now, once you have direction, you can start setting goals. Mm -hmm. uh, and when, once you've got a goal, you can start doing that sort of tactical advice around how you go about achieving it. You, you see, to my point, one of the biggest mistakes investors tell me is that they got the wrong advice. And Steve, you probably see it all the time. And maybe we can tell some war stories around this, but um, uh, it's when you deviate away from your goal, when you lose the direction or you're not able to calibrate the direction is when you start taking on information which might not be appropriate for what you're doing right now and therefore make the wrong decisions. You, you must see it time and time again. What's Steve, just give me a sense for you know, the worst advice, one of the bits of worst advice you've ever heard in property. I'm going to ask you the same question, Vic, so you can start thinking about it. But, you know, tell me some clangers that you've heard before. I've mentioned this one before. Probably one of the worst I've seen was the advice given to an elderly couple that were very, very close to retirement. I mean, extremely close. And they had a bit of pot of cash. Uh, and the advice was that they buy what turned out to be a service department in far north Queensland, a one-bedroom unit. And they paid, I can't remember the numbers, let's call it 300,000. Um, this is some time ago. And they paid 300 odd thousand dollars for it, cash. So not borrowed funds, cash. And the property was still negative with no mortgage because of its lack of attributes, high management fees, high vacancy rates. It was still a negative cash scenario, cash flow scenario how does, for them. How does, with that, no, how does that happen? Well, well, because to, to, <laughs> lack of diligence and strong opinion. 
mm. on both sides of the the fence. And and Vic touched on that. Yeah, often people with a very strong opinion um, are quite convincing. And if you get a few people that have a strong opinion and they press enough buttons within your circumstances in terms of what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve, and usually that's around a time frame, so feed the greed, you tend to take the opinion as advice and do it with a lack of diligence. Um, so that's a pretty bad one that I've seen, um, probably one of the worst. So were they sold that property by a salesman of some sort or salesperson? By a buyer's agent. A buyer's agent. Okay. Yeah. And right. unfortunately, I and Vic, we get to see quite a lot of this uh, yeah. when people when people come to us. Uh, yeah, some of the mistakes they've they've made over the years is very alarming. But it's not just about what they've purchased; it's also to a degree what they didn't do when they had the ability to do it, which is which is equally in some way, shape, or form as damaging. And there's many, many stories like that. And once again, unfortunately, we get to see quite a lot of that. And you know, we don't we don't pretend to be the you know the the gold and the key to the kingdom in any way, shape, or form. When people come to us, yeah, you know, we're very honest. We're brutally honest a lot of the times. So, you know, it could be where the, the capital position isn't enough to safely invest. And so our recommendation is that you go away and continue to create that pot as an example, or you, you know, they might be 70 years of age and they're, you know, it's the race, race eight, get out stakes for them. Yeah. And, so and Vic, you got a clanger for us? Um, pretty much the same as Steve. I, I think that, you know, we see that sort of um, scenario quite often uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, we, we also come across quite a lot of people that didn't wait long enough to buy. They just jumped in. And um, this is where they've had limited deposits and they bought a subpar property, which if they had waited two, three more months and, and just got, you know, 5K more, it would have brought them into, into the next category of properties, which would have given them a stronger start. Uh, so sometimes, uh, you know, you don't want to be starting too prematurely as such, as opposed to the other end of the timeline where, uh, you know, as, as your age starts to uh, increase, you need to be a lot more conservative with your approach, right? It's not, not you know, gamble everything away, trying to get one big win before retirement. Uh, we see that quite often uh, where people have bought, whether it is through advice or whether it is just through desperation, um, they're trying to jump in and trying to play catch up because the reality of it is that prior to this information media in terms of investing, most people were investing based on just their click of friends, and um, they hit age 55 and they said, geez, I better do something. Uh, and then they go in and uh, get into a new development because, hey, they bought their home, seemed to work. Um, but what they tend to forget is that um, that had time behind it. Whereas as they, as they hit or start coming close to retirement age, they no longer have time. So any strategy, any advice that they undertake to develop a strategy needs to take that into account to say that you don't have time. And so it can't be a set and forget approach, nor can it be a, um, you know, um, a 50% chance of success by undertaking a risky development. You can't fudge the numbers. And that's the biggest thing that I've seen is people tend to 
um, fudge their own numbers, thinking that you know it'll be all right. And 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 both Steve and I have got a simple uh, philosophy, right? If there are two what ifs in the scenario, should not be undertaken. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, uh, that's that's a good opinion. Maybe that's advice. Um, uh, and the thing is, I'm, I'm conscious that we're probably focused on negative opinions and negative advice uh, in this particular chat. Uh, there is a complete other side of the coin, and that is positive opinions and good advice. Um, and there is uh, a whole bunch of property out, investors out there who have taken on good advice and are therefore uh, much better off as a result of whatever journey, whatever their goals are. Um, and stuff like podcasts like this is a good way to you know, embrace different attitudes and opinions to help shape where you're going with it. So don't think all advice is negative. There's a lot of positive advice. And and there is some universal good advice. Um, you know, I, I reckon I could write a book on the umpteen thousands of property investors I've spoken to about the worst advice they've ever said. Everyone's got, everyone's had some bad advice and everyone's got bad advice on their property journey. I should maybe curate that info um, and, and turn it into something one day. But universal good advice um, from my side and probably more opinion, but no, happy to put it down as advice. Well, I think- Get started as early as you can investing in yeah, property, if you can. I think like whilst we've erred on the side of negativity mm. around advice and opinion, that's certainly not what we're trying to do. We're just, I guess we're trying to make people aware of the difference. Yeah, yeah there's great advice out there from multiple different people. Advice is more of a consultative approach as well. Yeah, it might be doing a portfolio review with you. Your interest rates are too high. My, what's that? my advice? Negotiate. Your rents are below market. What's my advice? Put them up. Yeah, that's universal good advice. Yeah, <laughs> largely. So, but well, largely, but it, but the advice comes from a consultative approach, and, and that's mm. probably the third time I've said that because that's how it happens. Up until then, it's an opinion. Yeah, so uh, here's a good uh, live scenario then, Steve, right? So we talked about, you know, the constant advice is to increase your rent. But what if you had a good paying tenant that did not miss a beat? They've been in there for ages. If they were to move out, you'd have to spend, um, you know, good amount of capital to freshen the property up, paint, carpet, that sort of thing. And you're trying to push for $10 increase or, or $20 increase. And the tenant turns around and says, you know what, I'm going to vacate. I'll move to a better property if that's the rent. Now, this is where our advice would be that you need to trade softly because you need to match the two up. Having a small increase in your cash flow as opposed to sucking out capital that's going to be immense. Is that productive in your entire portfolio? And especially at a time like this when um, materials are at a premium, and the time frame to get things done is longer, is this a smart move? So our advice at, the, at, uh, at this point in time for that particular scenario would be to tread very, very softly, maybe be just a smidgen below market rent so that you can continue enjoying the constant uh, cash flow and not have to spend the capital on that property when the tenant does move out. And that can only happen via consultation. Yes, Informed consultation. That goes to my point around universal good advice. Put your rents up largely, you know, and the largely is, well, maybe you shouldn't. Like, Correct. you know, you've got to look at the big picture. What are the ramifications? Every decision has a ramification. That ramification can be a good one, a positive one. You might not realise the ramifications of that for 6, 12, 5, 10 years down a pathway. You know, what's the ramifications of poor buying decision? Well, in 20 years' time, your property might have only doubled rather than quadrupled. 
uh, in that period of time. So, again, uh, time in the market uh, is a very important point. I think we've done pretty reasonable justice on advice versus opinion, gents. Well, um, how about we end on something a little bit more positive? Okay. Um, or positive for the for the investor from a commercial a commercial sense. So there's a lot of opinion in the market around what price will do, what value will do. And there seems to be the general consensus that uh, we're in a very tight moment in time around accommodation. Yeah. And I thought to end on a positive note, and it's positive for a lot and maybe not so positive for some, around the vacancy rates uh, around the country. Because as we all know, the cash flow underpins the existence of the asset. So nationally, for February this year, it's a 1.1, 1.1% vacancy rate. Sydney, 1.7. Melbourne, 2.1. Brisbane, 0. 0.8. Perth, 0. 0.5. Adelaide, uh, 0. 0.3. Hobart, 0. 0.2. Canberra, 0. 0.5. 0. 0.6 for Darwin. So you can see a, a very clear trend there in terms of if we wanted to form an opinion, we've got some pretty accurate data, be it all generalised, that will show us where the cash flow position on our premises will go from a worst case scenario. Now, once again, we're being quite general, but it's that type of data that depending on which filter or what set of lens I put upon that, I could create multiple different opinions. But from an experienced point of view, having you know, both of us lived through this many, many times, including you, Phil, because you've been around now for eons. Over a decade, right? Yeah. I mean, looking at that data and also feeling uh, the tempo of the market on the ground around vacancy rates and, and tenancies, it would be okay for us to give an opinion based on that. And so too would the economists, so too could government, financiers and the like. When you see a set of form data like that, well, then the general consensus is X and it's more than likely going to be accurate. It's when we start to see different subsets of the data that the opinion starts to vary on no matter what the metric mm. is. But from a positive point of view, to nullify potential rate rises, we should be in a pretty good position looking forward for the next 18 months. Because let's not forget, this is a once in a generation, uh, literally, uh, crisis, accommodation crisis that we're looking at. Yeah. And and things, you know, will normalise, supply chains will be improved, people are going to start building stuff again, borders going to open up. But I, I reckon, you know, the compression wave, and if you think of property investing or, or access to accommodation is a bit like a traffic jam, right? Like someone breaks, everyone breaks, and everyone stops, but the front of the queue starts moving again. But, you know, it just compresses, 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 and then there's got to be elasticity that will push it back out. So a lot needs to happen to change uh, the status quo, Steve. Um, you know, the point around building materials, 30 40% more than what they were pre-COVID, you know, how do we fix that? Do we have enough builders to build the stuff? You've got both civil government sovereign construction and then you've got residential construction there's just not enough stuff at the moment uh so it's going to take years i think until until you that, that compression starts to to normalize a little bit uh vic I'm, I'm just conscious of the time uh you guys are in the business of supporting property investors through smart sage advice uh i know you're pretty popular guys uh can you get into your calendars at the moment or is there a bit of a waiting list 
You can. Uh, there is a process. Uh, so when you do contact us, you speak with Melissa uh, and she gets you ready to speak with either myself or Steve. So there is a bit of a wait, but not a, not a very long wait. We just want to make sure that uh, you know when, when you do get to speak with us, uh, that you get the best of our time. So there is a bit of preparation that you need to do. Uh, so you can contact us via our website. So there's a form there, um, a contact us form. Or you can reach out to us via the socials, and um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be keen to sit down um, with you and uh, help you map out a plan. And also, uh, topics for us to chat about on investing insights, the right property group. Um, we're very open. Any feedback as well? Uh, any scenarios? Uh, anything specific you want to chat us through? Vic, what's the best way for people to reach out? Look, they can either email questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au or um, ping us on the socials. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, get suggestions of what you'd like us to discuss on these podcasts. Um, and, um, uh, you know, any any questions that you have that uh, you, you wanted to run past us, you can also write in questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. And we're definitely getting all that feedback from our listeners saying we need to replace Steve Waters from this. He's letting the team down. Let's get some fresh, Vic, get some fresh blood in there. Some some new opinions, some fresh opinions. I, I uh, but if you if if you have a new podcast where I'm the MC, I'm the host, the talent, everything. I don't know what it's called yet. Maybe yeah, breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Steve's. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jess there. Stephen, um, thanks, gents, for your time. Uh, I think we've done done pretty well through that. Um, get stuck into it, everyone. It's a good time to be a property investor if you're receiving the right advice. We'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.